This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's show, I just want to let you know that Golf Unfiltered is now the official sponsor of Chicago Golf Tour. Go out to shygolftour.com today to sign up for one of the three neighborhood tours that they offer. They've got the north side, they've got the south side, they've got the west side. Shygolftour.com is where you want to go to sign up for the 2021 season, which includes a full event schedule that runs parallel with the PGA Tour as well as four majors. Shygolftour.com. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by Cleveland Srixon, Zegzio, and Asics. Be sure to check out all the great new gear from all of the brands, including the new ZX line from Strixon Golf with drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, utility irons, all sorts of great stuff. And of course, the new Z-Star golf balls from Strixon as well. So that's Cleveland, Strixon, Zegzio, and Asics. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Friends, we had a lot of busy things going on last week, at least at the time of this recording. First and foremost, I want to invite everybody to secondcitygolf.com. What is that, you might ask? Well, let me tell you. It is a golf collective with myself and two other friends of mine that you know quite well if you've listened to this show. Bill Bush over at drivingrangeheroes.com and Chris McEwen of McEwen Media. He, uh, You know him from all the fancy videos he makes and, of course, golf origin stories and both of those lads are on that range life which is a youtube show that you can find uh, right now they talk about a lot of great golf stuff so we invite you to go out to secondcitygolf.com there's merchandise out there folks for all three of our brands and there's going to be a lot more coming soon so please go out there and support us Today, we welcome on for the first time uh, Miss Samantha Marks, and if you are aware of golf Twitter, then chances are you're aware of Samantha. She is very active on golf Twitter. Uh, I've gotten to know her uh, pretty well just through that medium, and this is the first uh, conversation, rather, that she and I have somewhat (laughs) face-to-face. We do it, of course, as everyone does these days over uh, webcam. And uh, Samantha is uh, just a great follow. She's got a lot of great thoughts Uh, not only about the game of golf itself, social media in general, as well as just everything that has been going on in life overall. And so uh, Samantha and I keep the conversation, of course, uh, related to golf today, and we talk about a lot of different things. And yes, we do even touch on the Patrick Reed fiasco that happened, the most recent one, right? I guess that's fair to say. It just seems like there's something new that comes up every so often with that guy. Uh, We talk about that in depth as well towards the end of today's episode. So so be sure to go out and follow Samantha on Twitter, Samantha S. Marks. I should say at Samantha S. Marks. Uh, She's got an Instagram page as well as all the other fun social media places. And sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Samantha Marks. All right, welcome back, folks. 
And as I mentioned at the top of the show, for the first time in a long time coming, I think, Samantha Marks joins us on the Golf Unfiltered podcast. Samantha, how are you doing today? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited that you were able to do this on short notice because, you know, I literally reached out to you probably maybe an hour and a half ago and said, hey, do you want to come on tonight? And you are so gracious to be able to do that. So thank you. Oh, of course. I love doing this type of stuff. And I've got my little studio. It's it's always set up. So it's just pop the laptop up and we're good to go. So I'm always happy to be here. I love the studio look you got going on. And obviously you're a huge, just one of my favorite follows on Twitter. And you can see right there, uh, listeners listening to this on YouTube at Samantha S. Marks. Uh, you got Phil behind you. You got the uh, flags behind you. That is a, I've always just marveled at the little uh, golf club setup you got there. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know where I saw it, um, but I saw it about, I want to say it was like five years ago or something, just totally saw it. I must have been on Pinterest or something. And I remember telling my dad, like, when I have a golf room, I got it because he's got this huge collection of old hickory clubs. And I was okay. like, I'm taking two of those when I get my own room, like golf office kind of lounge area, which is what this is. It's just like a couch and a big TV and just kind of like an office, but in a chill way. And, um, so when I moved in here, I painted all the walls are a different shade of green. Um, and so it just looks really cool. I've got some course maps, some Arnold Palmer stuff everywhere, but I just wanted like a kind of a girly way to not girly, but like more unique way with like sure. little bows. And I feel like when you put flags straight against a wall, it just takes up so much space. And I wanted a way that I could just display them and, you know, in a cool way. So I love it. And I've already seen people on Twitter have, um, like tagged me in there as they've done the same thing. So it's really fun. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, you're a trendsetter in so many ways. And yeah. so for folks who might not know the name of Samantha Marks, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved in the game and what you're doing right now? Yeah, so long, long question, long answer. Um, I started playing when I was six, started competing back when I was six years old. So been been in the game, obviously, a long time. I'm 26 now. And, um, my dad got me into the game. My mom plays, they're both hover around like a five or six handicap now. So mm. they're both pretty good. It was pretty competitive growing up, like fun to learn from somebody who, you know, knows what's going on in the game. And, and then, um, played in high school, of course, played in college, um, played two years at the university of North Carolina and played three years at, uh, the university of Arkansas. Nice. Um, decided that golf wasn't for me. Um, my last year at Arkansas, I hated practicing. Um, I could do tournaments all day. I could travel and compete in tournaments and get fired up, but for the practicing and the, the whole getting better thing, like wasn't really for me on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And so, um, so I was majoring in, uh, TV news and broadcast journalism at the time. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to, you know, kind of panic mode because I was just a few months from graduating (laughs) and, uh, got a job out in Colorado as a news anchor, news reporter, um, like hard crime, uh, you know, death, destruction. Wow. Um, Yeah. So it was kind of crazy. And then I was out there for a year and a half and I was just really eager to get home because I'd been away since I was 18, you know, from, from being around my parents all the time and stuff. So I applied for a job online at the golf channel that was Mm. mostly working on the website, um, Twitter, and some uh, back-end website stuff, like we worked with Rex Hoggard, Ryan mm. Lavner, Will Gray on all of their content, like came to us first, and then it was published. 
Um, that was really fun. I mean, it was like you get paid to watch golf and write about it and stuff. Right. And it, it was really fun. Obviously that came to an end as it did for most people there. Hmm. Um, but at the time I was, you know, I've always loved social media, which is, I mean, of course I'm 26 years old, but, um, I've always been really good at, you know, making things look good and making, you know, funny captions or making Instagram stories look good or funny tweets. And so I had a couple people reach out to me, um, asking if I did like social media management. And I was like, "Mm, I guess like, (laughs) I didn't really know, um, what that entailed, but now Mm -hmm. I've got, um, several clients and I started my own digital marketing agency and, um, I'm up to three part-time uh, employees now. And I like, can't, cannot keep up for the life of me. So, um, it's been great. It's fun. It's never something that I would have pictured myself doing. Um, but that's why I think it's exciting because I'm just figuring it out out as I go. So long roundabout way to say that, um, I mean, life's pretty damn good. So (laughs) good for you. God, that's, you know, and so you and I haven't known each other very long at all. I mean, this is actually the first time we've we've been talk, talking face to face, so to speak. Uh, you are just a complete joy to follow on social media. There, there are so many times when you send a tweet out that I just have to sit back and say, damn, that was so good. Just <laughs> you, you are you are really good at what you do. So kudos to you. And, Thanks. you know, and I understand, uh, you know, obviously things that happened and transpired at the golf channel. You know, a lot of people fell into that bucket too. It sounds like you, you know, just, you hit the ground with the ground running. You're doing so much right now with the digital marketing. And so kudos to you for, for keeping it going. Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was something where, you know, it was, I was worried, you know, I, I just bought a house like a month before they told everybody they were laying everybody off. Oh, like, no kidding. Wow. And I was like, okay. And then COVID started to hit. And I'm like, okay, so like, where does this leave me? Like, how am I going to pay this mortgage? Like, what's going on? And what am I going to do? And um, I live two blocks from my parents. So, I mean, and I I know everything was going to be fine, like no matter what. But it was just the kind of I've gotten into that self-sufficient mode of just, you know, making things happen for myself. And um, I just kind of panicked and. And my mom always used to tell me, like, everything always works out. Like, it may not mm-hmm. be in the time frame you wanted to work out, or it may not be exactly what you wanted, but it will pass. And it did. And now it's, you know, it's better than I could have imagined it. And like I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I don't have a marketing degree. Um, but that's kind of like my bit, right? It's like, yeah. I just figure things out. Um, and if I don't know how to do something, I hire somebody who can do it, you know, like, so that's just kind of um, what I'm trying to do here. And I think it's it's really turned out for the better for me. So it's been really fun. The impression I get of you from the content that you share is that you're a pretty free spirit. Would you say that's pretty accurate? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I'm very, um, a lot of my life is very structured. Like I'm very, I don't go with the flow very easily. I'm very like, I have to know right now what we're doing like next Monday. I'm very calendar driven, very like, um, like da, 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 da. Like everything's mm-hmm. got to happen in this exact order. It's not happening. Um, and I definitely can panic when things don't go that way, like an agreed upon way. Um, but I think that the fluidity and the, 
um, spontaneity of social media really helps me like get out of that because it's not like I can schedule something for three days from now and know it's going to be funny. Like that's just not like, we don't know what's going to happen in three days. So it's kind of, it's kind of taught me more to think on my feet, to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more, go with the flow. Um, but as for my day-to-day life, I'm trying to get more free spirity, but I'm definitely not as much as I want to be, but that is definitely like something I'm always working on. No, and you know, you come across as somebody who definitely loves the game so much. Yeah. That's that's clear. And I find it interesting when you said in your opening there that, you know, golf wasn't for you. But in so many ways, the persona that you project is that it definitely is. And so, and, and in many ways, I can relate to that. So I never played at the level that you did. And I know that you're a hell of a player. And, you know, I'm sure you'll be humble and say that you're not, but I know that you are. I can tell just by what you post on social, but I understand to a degree where it's not what you maybe want to do full time in a certain way. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that, um, just to give you an example, like after I, I stopped playing my, my senior year, I didn't touch a club, like literally did not touch a club for almost two years. Hmm. Um, like when I picked up my golf clubs, there were cobwebs on them in the garage. Like, I'm not kidding you. I, people are like, Oh, come on. I'm like, no, like seriously. And I, and I, um, I moved back to Florida and I was like, okay, this is going to be a good way for me to, you know, like reconnect with my city and my family and stuff like that. And I started playing again and I just kind of had like a tarnish in my mouth about, how I had treated the game, like, and how much pressure I'd put on myself and how life or death I had made it. And I really made it very unfair to myself because at the same time, like I wasn't doing the work to put that pressure on myself. Right. So like I was telling myself, well, you have to do this and you have to play this way. And if you don't, then it's life or death. But then at the same time, I wasn't preparing myself for that. So I, I was kind of not setting myself up for failure, but I wasn't making it easy on myself. So then when I started playing again, when I, when I moved back here, I started playing for fun, which I'd never done in my life. Hmm. You know, like I started playing with music blasting and having a beer or two and, you know, riding in a card and like, just not even shooting the flag, just hitting whatever number I want. And I think that that, that coupled with surrounding yourself with the right people really, changed my love for the game. Like I've Mm. played so much in the last year and I try to play like once a week. So it's not a ton, but I played so much in the last year where I'm just the person who, if I'm playing out there with you, I'm not keeping score. I'm, if I hit a bad one, I'm going to drop one and hit another one until I hit a good, like I'm not out there to break a course record. I'm out there to like, enjoy my time. And you know, the master being a master of my craft, master of my craft, whatever that means. Like, I'm my goal is just so much different now and it's all centered around having fun and making sure you're enjoying it. Like I remember this was probably six months ago or something. I, I was like, I'm going to go play nine holes at my country club, which is like three miles up the road. Yeah. Went out there. There was nobody out there. And I, there's a, there's like the, it goes back at five after the fifth hole, it goes back to the clubhouse. And then after nine, it goes back to the clubhouse. And I was hitting some terrible shots and I was playing so bad that after the fifth hole, I just went in, I just went home. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I don't, why would you continually make yourself mad? And then I went out the next day and played fine. And it was like, it. sometimes you just need to just like 
See you later. Yeah. <laughs> so. Amen. I am so happy you said that. And it, you know, listeners who are listening to this know that I, you know, I've walked off a course. You just have to, you have to have fun yeah. doing it. Why, why be out there if you're not having fun? And that's, and that's where I didn't really see that as an option growing up, right? Mm. Because there was always something to prepare for, always something to, um, to strive for, to train for, to, you know, I've got this coming up, this coming up now. I'm like, I don't know. Their skins on Friday might play that might not like, I don't know who cares. <laughs> so it's like, it's just a diff, but it's a mindset shift too. Like that was something that I had to, um, really be disciplined about to think about, you know, and I, I have some really good friends who like we go out and we just drop balls all over the course and just mess around. It's not about score. It's not about people being, you know, who's hitting it closer, who shot better. It doesn't matter. So that's, that's where I, I hope, you know, the game stays for me in that, in that regard. So it's been really fun. The game itself, uh, not only at the amateur level, but at the pro level continues to change. It seems. And as we all kind of experience it together, we begin to realize that golf Twitter and golf social media is such a living organism in and of itself that you and I try to thrive in. You do a much better job than I do. But it's it's almost like we watch the game that we all love and we see the best at it doing their craft. And I almost wonder if there's a parallel between what you just said and what you watch on TV, where it's like, look, you were there, you were at the point where you're doing it, you realize that it's not so much for fun anymore. And you wanted to get back to that, which I totally respect. Yeah, and, em- and emulate. And then we watch what people do on television. It's like, wow, like the Patrick Reed thing that came up this past week or two weeks ago at the time of this recording. That is almost like they are not having fun to the degree that I think you and I appreciate the game. Would you would you agree with that? I don't know. I mean, I've thought about that in the past and it's like, I think if you look, for example, the way that Tiger used to used to carry himself on the course, you know, 15, 20 years ago and the way that he carries himself on the course now, that's a testament to that in and of itself. I think that, you know, a lot of that has to do with him getting older and him, you know, being more injured and stuff like that. But at the same time, people have said several times about him, like he's more personable. He's friends with the guys. Now he's, you know, back 20 years ago, he was trying to beat your ass. And like, I don't think that that's gone at all. I just think that it's, it's a little bit of a perspective shift. And like I said, I do think a lot of it has to do with him getting older, but I mean, you see like those Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler, like the SB2K thing, like they're all friends. And I think that that's, that's something that I feel like you would have to be if you're, you know, you would have to be all friends if you're out there every single week at the same time though, I've, I've heard from several players. I mean, it gets lonely out there. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, you're with your little camp, your trainer, your caddy, your coach and your wife maybe, and that's it. So, I mean, and especially now with COVID, right. So right. I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say, I think it's clear when people are struggling in that aspect of life, Um, and you know, you look at somebody like Rory who decided to, you know, take the next step in his personal life and have a kid and get married and all that stuff. And clearly he's, he's come out and said, you know, I'm prioritizing a couple of different things now. And of course he starts playing better. Like, it's just, it's, you have to look at the home life a lot of the times in in these players. And, um, so I, I don't know if that answered your question at all, but (laughs) it certainly did. And you know, it's introspective because 
when we when we look at these players on TV and, you know, the Patrick Reed situation that I know is old news at this point. But, you know, we, we look at a player that's been under a lot of scrutiny, deservedly so. And I think you and I fall on the same uh, side of that that uh, agreement. You know, it's it's a player that y- he goes out and it's not just him. I think I should be completely clear there. It's not just him. But there are those who go out there and they treat this like a job and they want to get to the next level and they want to take every circumstance they can at least allegedly to put themselves above others to me that doesn't seem like fun while it may be good you know comedic fodder for you and i when we're on on social it's almost like taking a step back and saying wow this is the state of the game where i think you so eloquently put earlier there is something more to this game than just this element of it so I wonder, like, your thoughts on, you know, when you see something like the Patrick Reed situation or you even pointed out when Tiger seems a little bit more free than the bloodthirsty player that he was before, when you think of people like, you know, Michelle Wee for crying out loud, she went on and she did such a great job getting to the, the level that she was and then ultimately, you know, now, now she's not playing as often as she used to. Life happens. So in your regard, I guess, in your opinion, where does all of that fit in for these players? You cover the game for a long time and you've seen players come and go. When you see that happen, what what goes through your mind? Well, one of the things that, you know, that I think about is it's exactly what you just said is golf is a game, right? Like you can make a living out of it. Sure. And there are plenty of people who do it. But at the same time, when it comes down to you and me, we have to kind of take a step back and look at it. And, and, you know, I see my dad and his friends go out there and they practice once a quarter and they want to get mad when they shoot 82. Uh Uh-uh. Like, we're not doing that. Like, you don't even try on a day-to-day basis to play better. You just play three times a week. Like, and then you get mad when you shoot 75-85. Okay. We're not going to do that. And then I get so frustrated when... You know, people on golf Twitter want to tear down these professionals when they have a bad round or what really pisses me off is when people will tweet at players and be like, thank God I didn't put you in my fantasy lineup Uh, didn't come through for me for my fantasy. And I'm like, if I came to your job and said shit like that to you, mm -hmm. like you couldn't do what I do and I couldn't do what you do. Like that is the whole point. And so, I mean, that's just, like I said, something that we kind of have to iron out for ourselves. And I think that it's something that a lot of people in the sport need to come to Jesus a little bit about. Like, yo, this is just a game, especially if you play it on a recreational level. But like you said, with the Rory and the Michelle Wees, I think we are blessed with a game that you can play for a long time. Right. Um, And I think, you know, there aren't, you know, let's say that there was a really popular women's football league. It's not like you could go have a baby and then a month, you know, a month later be out playing again, but that's exactly what Michelle Wee is planning on doing Mm -hmm. in a sport where we're very fortunate of that, especially with age, with the tigers and the fills and the, I mean, the, even the people on the champions tour. So I, I mean, I'm with you on the, you know, life goes on and you got to take that next chapter in your life. But at the same time, if if the pattern was how it is now with the Jordan Spieths and the Rory McIlroys of, you know, getting married and then playing like crap, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would do that right now. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, you know, and, and it's interesting too, because, you know, uh, the ladies we've had on the show, you know, I've, I've asked uh, certain versions of this question and Michelle, Wee is a very good, uh, you know, example of this where, you know, uh, Lorena Ochoa, Ochoa is, is a classic example of someone who took a break and ultimately retired for the most part from, from the game in order to start a family. And, you know, Michelle will come back. Michelle, we will come back. I understand. And I wonder, you know, where is the, the, the ladies game right now? Where, where, where is women's golf in regard to that element? Because I don't think they get, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I don't think they get enough credit for having to face those situations and those decisions and then make the even harder decision to come back and try to get back to the level that they once were. Uh, in your opinion, where, where do we find ourselves right now with, with the women's game? Oh God. What we could do a whole podcast on that, Adam. <laughs> we um, may, we may in the future. <laughs> I'm down, but you look at people like, uh, I'm trying to think of all the people who, who had babies recently, like Stacey Lewis, fellow Razorback. She, I mean, she came back a few months later and she's playing good now, which is great for her, but I, I shit, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad that I'm not going to be the one making those decisions, but I do mm -hmm. feel like you're right. It's a little bit underappreciated. Um, the men, I mean, yes, they can have babies as a family, but it's not sure. as, it's not physically right. you know, detrimental to their game. So not to say that one's worse than the other, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't really have an answer for you there. I think it's something that we definitely need to look at, especially as a mostly male dominant industry and give a little bit more credit to. Mm. Um, it's also not something that we see super often, I feel like. Um, you know, Michelle Wee and Stacey Lewis, those were all recently because they were big names. Um, but it, I don't feel like it lands in the public eye as much as um, as much as we think it is, mostly because you look at like the the main top players in the world. You got Jessica Corda, Nellie Corda, Lexi Thompson, uh, Brooke Henderson. Um, I, those are just the top names I'm thinking of. They're not sure. getting pregnant anytime soon. So it's, I mean, I don't know if it's top, it's just not top of mind. Um, but as far as, as far as the women's game in general, like you asked, I miss when Michelle Wee was on top. I miss when Lexi Thompson was in a dominant phase. That's mm. what I think that the women's game needs so badly right now as a dominant mm. figure. And um, that's something that I think would really make the sport shine more and make the audience bigger. Um, I do feel like it's been better um, in the past year or so with, you know, more people watching the women and the, the time slots getting better and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I think it's definitely trending up. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and you know, I think uh, the parallel I can draw and, and forgive the, uh, you know, the, the gender specificity here, but you know, when I remember the NBA of the nineties, they had characters. Yeah. Like you can pick out people like Dennis Rodman, you know, John Starks, you know, people of those, uh, that generation where, you know, names and to a degree, you know, women's golf had those characters as well. Like you said, you know, like, you know, Michelle, Wee. Um, you know, Natalie Gulbis, you had Annika yeah. Sorenstam behind that, you know, you, you knew the names that you wanted to watch and, you know, the Corda sisters now, Stacey Lewis, of course, you know, and there's so many others. I wonder if, you know, to your point, as we embark on the post Mike Wan era, for example, you know, which was a shock, I think, even to myself when I heard that he was leaving, 
you know, I wonder if they could get back to that where they can really boost those names to, you know, really say, look, these are the names that not only you should pay attention to, but they're going to raise the names up around them as well. You know, and, and I wonder if there's something there. I, I think about this a lot and, you know, not to put you on the spot by any means, of course. And I know that we, we talk a lot about this and I know you do a lot of work around the game in this regard. It's, it's, it's a matter of finding the names that we can follow routinely when we turn on the TV. No, I, I agree. And I think, you know, to be quite honest with you, it's kind of our fault, right? Like hmm. you look at the, the, um, who's running all of the main social channels, golf digest, golf.com, uh, golf channel, even at LPGA. Um, it's most people get their news from those four, four or five, six sources, right? Golf week. Um, you know, you get the idea that I'm going for. Most people aren't in the, the severe golf Twitter sphere as we are, right? Like they're sure. not seeing the Monday queue, the, um, the, the people who follow the LPGA and the lower tours. And so, I would say that, you know, part of it is on them, which I include us in part of it is on us it, for not telling those stories and doing them justice. Um, so, I mean, I think it's something that that we can improve on. Like I said, though, I do feel like it's gotten better at the same time. I think in order to have stories that people will want to listen to, you have to have a player who's doing something that people would want to watch. Yeah. So that's kind of my point in the, and the domination uh, phase is kind of very much needed right now in the women's game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would make a lot of sense too. And I think greatness sells. Yeah. You know, if we're, we're going to think about it from a business standpoint, because it is a business greatness sells. And, you know, when we talk about not only the, the men or women's game, I mean, it's a matter of who do we connect to and for what reason, and so when we see things like, you know, not to bring it up, up again, but I, it was just so damn hilarious with the whole Patrick Reed thing. You oh, know, can go there if you want to go there. You know, it's it's I don't know the right answer here, Samantha. I don't know if this is a, a villain that is needed in the game. I don't uh, let me let me ask you that. Do you subscribe to the theory that golf needs a villain? Yes. And in in knowing that. I just is Patrick Reed or whomever, but Patrick Reed, is he the villain that golf needs? That I don't know. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. So take a look at, you know, and this was a conversation I had yesterday um, with a couple friends, but take a look at other sports. You look at um, other sports that have history rivalries. For example, one that's close to my mind, Duke at UNC, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. historic rivalry, always going to be the biggest game of the year, the most hype, talked about ESPN for weeks in advance, you know, even if they both suck, which they kind of do right now, but it's always going to be the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. And in golf, there's not really that, right? It's not really like, except you look back when it was like Tiger or Phil and people said like, oh, well, I can't like Phil because I like Tiger. Like mm-hmm. they that was kind of a polarizing um, pair there or duo or two peas in a pod kind of thing. And now I don't really feel like we have that. We kind of had it for a little bit with the Brooks and Bryson thing. Um, But at the same time, I'm okay with that being Patrick Reed versus everybody else, right? Like I'm okay with that. 
And I think that here's my problem and I'd love your thoughts on it. Sure. Do you think that Patrick Reed does what he does intentionally, or do you think that he is that clueless that he just doesn't even know what he's doing? Or do you think it's calculated? Hmm. I don't think it's calculated. I have, God, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I, I have such a low regard for Patrick Reed. It's, it's kind of biased at this point. I mean, you know, I think when we talk about his, his uh, infractions, whether it be improving his lie, whether it be the bunker, whether it be the most recent thing with, you know, picking the ball up before you call an official over for an embedded lie, you know, the amount of calculation that would be required to make it calculated is so high in my mind. Like you would have to plan all that out. I I don't, I don't know. I I don't want to believe that somebody would want to do that because for, to what end, whether it be, I I agree with you. And I think that's my question is he's either really smart or really stupid. Yeah. Right. That's kind of where there's no to say you don't feel your club touch the sand when you're brushing back like five ounces of sand twice like that. There's just no way to me. I just don't get it. So and yeah. I, I, I just I mean, I want to go on record saying I don't condone cheating. And if that's what he's doing and he's doing it intentionally, then that's not OK. And that's not what I'm saying. However, you have to look at it from my perspective. It is my job to tweet about funny shit that happens on the golf course. Right. I find it funny. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. I gained a ton of followers yesterday. I'm doing my job right. If that comes at the expense of you hating Patrick Reed, that's not my problem. Like, I don't know, you know, so you yeah. have to, I, I understand the average, the average Joe, the average weekend golfer saying, you know, I hate Patrick Reed, blah, whatever. I would argue that people who say that he's not good for the game don't understand what good for the game means <laughs> because I, yeah. more people have watched golf on Sunday, probably that had nothing to do with golf. I mean, I was explaining this, the Twitter thing to my friends and they're, they, they were in awe. They yeah. were interested because it was interesting. So I think, I think it's good for the game. Uh, the cheating. No, that's not what I'm saying. Right. I think um, the talk of the game is good. And I think it's a little, I don't know if fun is the right word, but to have a villain in the game. Kids, if you're going to have a burner account, don't keep it on the same device. I mean, this is this is burner account 101. I mean, that's that that was tough. That was a bad look. That I just and that's what makes me think it might be it might be an unintelligent thing. You know, yeah, I think you're right. I really think you're right. You know, and it's, I'll tell you what, in college, I had a burner account. <laughs> and I don't think anybody knows this. Mm, I'm so excited now. Exclusive content right here. <laughs> in college, I had a burner account where I would just tweet, I don't know, dumb shit that college kids think or do or something. Mm-hmm. And I was an athlete. So I was like, oh, well, I'm getting away with something like nobody's ever going to see. I can finally like post the stuff I want to post, you know, whatever. And I very quickly learned always keep it on a separate app. Mm-hmm. Always keep it because you're gonna you're gonna do it wrong. It's gonna happen. Oh and, man! So you know it wasn't yeah. anything bad, but um, it did happen once or twice. 
it's a, it's a tricky game to play. And, you know, um, I cannot confirm nor deny similar story there, but I will just say that uh, I have heard from multiple people now that Justine runs both accounts. Um, I, I just want this all to unfold. And I think even the fact that we're talking about it now, Samantha is the fact that you're, you're a hundred percent, right? It, it's good for the game. And the fact that we're talking about these characters, once again, uh, that we all want to know more about, maybe not emulate, of course, but mm-hmm. certainly know more about. And it makes the game more engaging. It makes it more fun. And, you know, I know we're getting up, uh, you know, against the clock here, but, you know, as you and I in the similar space continue to navigate golf Twitter and try to spark a conversation, which you do just a fantastic job at, is it a matter of, the you know uh, dog chasing the tail a little bit where the narrative is created by social media or are we reacting to what is already occurring interesting question um i think it's a little bit of both Mm. i think we push people like bryson and brooks to do more of what they're doing um because of how much we react to it right um but then you look at people like DJ, John Rahm, um, Jordan Spieth, who have never posted something on their own social media, maybe ever in their life. So it's like on the Patrick Reed side, I don't, I think he's, he's obviously fueled by the negative talk as evidence of, you know, two weeks ago at the farmers. Um, but I don't know. That's an interesting question. I just think that for me, what I think is lost in the Patrick Reed thing specifically is that just because I think it's intriguing content doesn't mean I think that it's right what he's doing, right? right. Or, and I think that that's lost um, in the translation of you, you know, me tweeting something about how funny it is that Patrick Reed did this or that. Automatically, people are going to be like, oh, she cheats on the golf course. Okay. <laughs> like, just because I, you know, I don't know. Like dogs doesn't mean I'm a dog. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't yeah, I hear you. People just get so and and Patrick Reeder one of those is one of those people where it's very polarizing, right? Like you either love him or you hate him. There's nobody, not a single person on Twitter this the last weekend where you would say, Oh yeah, Patrick Reed's okay. Like not a single one. They're either like I'm team Reed or I hate that guy. Right. Yeah. The polarizing figures are the ones that I think make the game so great as well as, and it complements the great play. And and that's true for, for every tour. I have to say, you know, I've met a lot of people doing this. You're one of my favorite people I've met. Not only, I I mean that genuinely it's, you know, and, and I hope one day once this whole, you know, when the world stops ending, we can have the chance to at least shake hands because you you're just a, a joy to follow on Twitter. And folks, I hope that you do at Samantha S marks, uh, follow everything she does. She's hysterical. She's active. She responds to people. And as you can tell by, I hope today's conversation, she's extremely open and Samantha, I hope we can do this again in the future. I can't wait. I love chatting with you, Adam. This is super fun. Thanks for having me. 